All right, well, welcome everybody. It's Don Johnson again for the Proclaim and Defend podcast. We're here today to introduce Brett Williams. Brett is the provost at Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Minneapolis. And uh, he, his article is, Should We Heal or Pray? A Defense of Modern Medicine. This appeared in our January-February issue of the Frontline magazine. Uh, the, uh, the question that he's dealing with is the history of Christians and their relationship to medicine, how we should approach medicine, when we should consider medical treatment, or when we should be trusting the Lord, and those types of uh, uh, questions about the use of medicine. And I found his, inter- his interview quite interesting. I think you will also. So without any further ado, I'll uh, bring Brett in, and uh, he'll introduce himself and tell you about what he was writing about and the issues surrounding those questions. Right, well, welcome, everybody. We're here with uh, Brett Williams. He's the provost of Central Baptist Seminary in Minnesota. He, uh, he has been in the ministry, so maybe you could tell us a little bit of your background. Brett, uh, where, would, where were you a pastor? Sure, that's a good question. Um, it's a joy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I pastored in southern Minnesota, for about a decade. I was assistant pastor, youth pastor, and then became a senior pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Austin, Minnesota, uh, the home of Spam. Um, (laughs) That's what they're famous for. You can see I have a little Spam with a paraphernalia there. And so Austin is dear to my heart always. So yeah, that's where I pastored. Uh, Originally, I'm from Colorado. Um, I was born and raised, and I finished my undergrad at Pillsbury College in Owatonna, Minnesota. Okay. Where I met my lovely wife now, 21 years. Um, and then I stayed up here, I mean, just for education, for seminary, which I went to Central Seminary, yeah. uh, and PhD, et cetera. And so I've, yes, I would say I've been in Minnesota a long time, um, but my heart is always in Colorado. I'm one of those natives who would have yes. a bumper sticker, et cetera. Yes, I understand. Yeah, I'm from Alberta, so I'm just north. Oh, there of you go. There are, are you things go? about the prairie, boy. <laughs> you I just can't get anywhere else. Nobody, people from somewhere else can't quite appreciate it, but... <laughs> Yes. Anyway, all right. So, um, all right. So, let's talk about your article. Your article has mm-hmm. the title. Uh, let's see. Should we heal or pray? A defense of modern medicine. So, mm-hmm. uh, just if you could give us a brief synopsis of uh, what the article was about, and and uh, we can go from there. Sure. Yes. Um, so, this was a question that I've been thinking about for quite some time. Um, so um, Kevin Bowder, one of my colleagues here at Central, uh, he approached and, and asked if I would write an article on the biblical defense of modern medicine, which is a little bit of an anachronism, right? You know, modern medicine is not in Scripture. And right. so there's no biblical defense per se. However, I think there are applications that we can certainly follow and glean from. So um, part of my research that I've done in the past, um, just for other things that I've written on, is really the history of science and how science and theology correlate. Um, mm-hmm. correspond or contradict. And so that's, I, I, I somewhat approached it from that maybe purview. And, and I got into some of the research um, because I tried just to look at how Christians have historically viewed medicine mm-hmm. because medicine has evolved greatly, obviously. And uh, really what I discovered from a variety of sources is that Christians have historically and generally, though not always, simply, I'll say, maybe adopted the prevailing medical theories of their day and their location. 
Right. So the Bible does not speak to medicine. Now it has examples of medicine in it. Mm-hmm. However, the Bible, of course, as you know, is is a transcendent document. Mm-hmm. It's is the word of God, I believe, that applies to every situation, every culture, and every time. So um so in the article, what I tried is to have just a mediating voice and, and to show people that Christians have always held certain things with a critical eye, right? Mm-hmm. So certain medical uh, maybe theories or understandings that contradict the word of God or that contradict sound reasoning. At the same mm-hmm. time, they have never wholesale, say, maybe said, I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They, they right. have never done that. And, and I think obviously with what we just went through with the pandemic, um, uh, this is rather apropos. Um, yeah. I tried not to get into, you know, vaccinations, inoculations, et cetera. But I think there are certain elements of the article that you could at least apply to help a person think through that. Yeah, that's right. You don't want to, some, some topics you just don't want to touch. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> not with a 10 foot pole. You're right. That's right. The, uh, uh, now, uh, in the, in that history, like you talk about observational medicine, which basically, mm-hmm. <clears throat> from what I gather from what you said, is that uh, I guess the Greeks started this, but but mm-hmm. they're observing, well, probably people before them, but observing what's going on mm-hmm. and trying to, somebody's trying to address the symptoms rather than just saying, oh, it's a spirit, oh, it's, a, you know, and using uh, shamanistic approaches. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, uh, I think, uh, I mean, that has sort of been the prevailing approach through mm-hmm. most societies, I'd say, from what I, my, my guess. Yes, I, I would say at least in the West, right? Yeah. So Greek medicine really um, became dominant, certainly because of Alexander the Great and then the Roman Empire. You know, the Romans adopted many of the Greek ideologies. Yes. Um, and, and medicine was one of those. However, the Romans had their own maybe particular flair or aspect to it. Uh, now, if you study the history of Eastern medicine, um, uh, Eastern medicine stayed, and I'll use the word pre-modern, much longer, right? So we we have, you know, because we're the children of modernity, right? Yes. You've got Descartes, you've Kant, etc. We have this whole bifurcation, right? Certainly of the physical world, and the spiritual world, because we separate those. Even Christians, we distinguish those on an ontological level, Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas the ancients didn't do that. The spiritual, the physical were all one. The metaphysical and the physical were all one. Therefore, it made sense to them that one could manipulate the physical world and affect the spiritual world because they were the same. So right. obviously an illness that someone had, you know, these were intelligent people. They, they obviously yeah. saw that there was cause and effect. They understood that. However, the vast majority had some sort of, of a like spiritualistic understanding. So the reason why there was a malady or ailment was because of something spiritual. Because remember, they didn't separate the two realms like we do. Yeah. Yeah. We so have that in, uh, mm-hmm. is it John nine where the disciples ask, um, Yes. Who sinned, this man or his parents, you know, that he was yes. born blind, so he possibly could have sinned in the womb, according to the Pharisees or somebody. Yes, well, exactly. That that was not, not just rabbinical thought. That was, I mean, that was the standard, shall I use the word, worldview at the time. So I think sometimes the, the disciples get some ribbing on that, if you will, whereas they were just thinking how everyone else thought, especially in, let's say, Jewish um, 
you know, medicine or Jewish application. It, mm-hmm. it, it was very common that the Jews rejected, um, has rejected the Greeks on this. And so the Jews would often use amulets and, and things like that, have mm-hmm. more of the mystical and the spiritual side. And in some of the rabbinic uh, uh, literature that I came across, um, the Jews had a spiritual understanding for everything. Mm-hmm. And they're not wrong necessarily because they believed in this monotheistic God in the Old Testament who controlled all and was in all. Mm-hmm. So therefore, everything was the result of the hand of God. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's interesting when Christ came in his ministry, there were certain things that he almost not maybe contradicted, but he went outside of that. Certainly John 9 is one of the examples. Yeah. yeah. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples, how that would have sounded so radical. when Jesus said, no, no, this has nothing to do with sin. Right. This has to do with God's glory that's going to be shown through me. Right. Um, that would have been very confusing for them. And I that would have been like you saying, oh, Brett, you have a cold, right? Well, you need to stand on your head in the corner and say these incantations. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a, it's, uh, well, you know, I mean, I do think we have, uh, we have a modern bias because we think, you know, everybody before us were idiots. Basically. Yes. And, 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 and I was, uh, as I was thinking about this, I had, uh, one time I was in Virginia and I went by the site where uh, Stonewall Jackson died, you know, Mm -hmm. after he had been shot by friendly fire and, you know, they were treating him with mercury, which is a poison. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were bleeding him, which of course did not help at all. And uh, there was a third thing. I forget what the third thing was, but all three of them contributed to killing him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was only, you know, when I say only, that was, uh, you know, 150 years ago, 160 years ago. Yeah. And that's not that long in terms of world history. So, you know, yep. um, our understanding has changed quite a bit in the last 150 years. Yes. And um, here's something that I wish I could have gotten into. Of course, this was a magazine article. It was a scholarly article. So I didn't have time to yeah. develop that. But... That whole maybe like hubris that you're talking about, you know, C.S. Lewis, I believe, calls it chronological snobbery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. We we have this idea of history and medicine and in particular science that it evolves. It's this linear idea that we gain more and more and more wisdom and more and more knowledge. It's it can almost be, say be graphed on a chart, as it were. Right. Mm-hmm. So we know more than our ancestors did. When right. in reality, that's not how science or medicine works because it's observational. These things have a philosophical under, let's say, you maybe foundation underpinning. And as the philosophy changes, the observations will change. Right. So it's not necessarily a discovery of new things. So I'm not going to say that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, really at its this is essence, and this gets into you know Thomas Kuhn, um, who wrote the Nature of Scientific Revelation. Um, that 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 is, I'm sorry, Revolutions. Um, yes. That is an important book that every scientist and every physician should read. Um, right. It was published first in the 1950s. I think it's on its fourth or fifth edition. Right. Because what Kuhn does is he explains that really what happens is there's a shift in the underlying assumptions, what he calls a paradigm shift. He's the one that coined right. the term, actually. Right. I so think as I've heard the of paradigm that. shifts, then observations will shift. So mm-hmm. it's not this linear idea that we're always gaining in knowledge. So right. you brought up that example of you know the Civil War, let's say. Yeah. Right. And, and they they had, you know, I mean, the doctors were learned men, highly intelligent. They were assuming the four humors theory. Right. That had um, prevailed for 
1600 years, right? right? Because they saw things as balance. So yeah. this was observational, right? Because yeah. if something swelled up, oh, that means there's too much fluid. So right. too much fluid is too bad, if you will. It's yeah. it's wrong. So you have to return the body to some sense of harmony or hypostasis, if I can use that term. Right. Um, and that's something Eastern, uh, um, is, let's say Eastern medicine, still holds to that in some regard. And mm-hmm. so as I think I bring this up a little bit. Our current idea of germ theory and what's called bacteriology Mm-hmm. is less than 200 years old. I'm not yeah. saying it's wrong. I'm not a physician. But yeah. I am saying that if the Lord tarries, right, in another two or 300 years, then someone who reads your history, Don, right, yeah. says, boy, when he was 95 years old eh, and he was dying, right, well, this is, you know, you know, this is, you know, can you believe the physicians had Tylenol? Yeah, right? that's right. Or, yeah. you know, they, they tried to treat cancer with radiation. I mean, think how yeah. crazy that may sound in order to, save you they poison you further um i would argue is that that much different than mercury mm-hmm. so i think humility i think that that's the cause right there i think science medicine should have humility um yeah. at the same time i bring up in the article that, that christians who just carte blanche say we'll reject all of that i mean do so in two ways number one it's it's to their own peril usually because they mm-hmm. either think smarter than physicians or what else number two that's not historically what christians have done and right. i'm not talking about some uh wacko esoteric let's say cults out there i mean right. orthodox with christianity since the time of christ they have usually adopted modern theories right uh, contemporary theories i should say right right and i i do think uh well, I mean, you mentioned radiation in that, and and that brought to mm-hmm. mind like my dad was very suspicious of uh, doctors. <laughs> he had a line. He said, "All they know how to do is cut, burn, and poison." <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so, like, he had a heart attack, and mm-hmm. uh, he, I forget. Uh, I don't think he ever had it. They they didn't uh, do any. He wouldn't let him do any surgery, and he just treated it with. Uh, you know, changing his diet and mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Well, he lived on for another 20 years, but mm-hmm. uh, but he he wouldn't let them do an angiogram. He wouldn't let them do mm-hmm. any of that. He was, you know, because he'd hear, you know, he'd read stories of, of uh, people having had that and having problems and dying from the procedure, mm-hmm. and, which is, you know, often it's a one-off, you know, you, you want in how many thousands or whatever cases that that happens. Yeah, but there is a. I do think this is part of our modern thing. We're very afraid, and nobody wants to die. <laughs> and uh, and so you hear a story: somebody gets sick, and you know, and it's uh, at least correlated with. I don't want you know with a procedure. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mention a vaccination, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and and all of a sudden that becomes that single incident becomes the thing that dominates the thinking yes yes i I think you're absolutely right and this is part of the zeitgeist let's say of maybe post-modernity right everyone's an expert on anything yeah Um, and and that's simply i think simply foolish it's certainly not scriptural um it's definitely not historic when it comes to how christians have thought um at at the same time that doesn't mean christians accepted things wholesale or christianity has always looked at certain say, ideas and maybe philosophies and culture with a critical eye as we should. 
Mm-hmm. However, I think the key, and I try to point this out a little bit in the article, is we need to be careful that we don't see that as we're outside of the culture, looking at it from this objective, independent viewpoint. Right. right? The only thing really objective would be the word of God. That's yeah. objective. Everything else is my interpretation of the word of God, which is far from objective. It's quite subjective because you and I are products of our time, our space, etc. Um, so I, I think the more we do, I think part of that is is that people have an incorrect view. Again, I'll use the example of science, of medicine, right? Because they see it as almost this noun, right? We call it science, like it's a thing. You hear all the time, well, you're arguing with the science. Well, I don't even know what that means. It's just a Latin word for knowledge. That's all scientia means. What they're saying is that human observation and testing, that's what they're saying, right? And medicine... This is what I say in the article. Remember, medicine is more practice than proposition, right? Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think the whole idea and the confusion is that we've separated the hard sciences from the soft sciences, and we see the hard sciences as just that, hard and objective, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this brute, maybe fact, I could call it, when in reality, for most of human history, the hard sciences were called natural philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so medicine was just a part of that. It was human observation. Right. So, um, cause I, I think on both sides of the argument, if you want to say that, I think scientists and I think physicians need to be more humble when it comes to guys we're observing and we're learning as we're going. We, we right. don't have all the answers. On the other side, I think those who are the hoi polloi, who are the non-learned, who let's say get their medicine from maybe Facebook or WebMD, yes. right, and they're the expert on, right? Yeah. Uh, they need to realize that that itself, even their ideas are subjective. Right. Right. I, I once, I'll just give a brief anecdote. Um, there was a person in my former church um, who was really suffering. On, <laughs> there's a lot of issues. Um, and a part of which I would say maybe we're mental, uh, we're psychological. Right. Yeah. Um, and he ended up in just in a facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he needed to be monitored, et cetera, things like that. And the first time I met with him, he said, Pastor Brett, you need to pray for me. I need to get out of this place. And I said, well, uh, why do you need to get out of this place? He said, because I have to see a psychologist and he's going to be godless. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, well, let's stop and hold on and, and pray. Let's trust in the providence of God mm-hmm. because he knows you're here. And then a week later, I returned and there's a smile on this man's face. And I said, well, how did it go? And he said, my psychologist is a born again Christian. <laughs> yeah yeah but we prayed we prayed together he read the bible to me and he said oh, Let, let's right and so i think he had this idea that again you know it's it's this boogeyman idea of yeah. medicine or science as if it's one monolithic thing it's not it's people who are doing the best they can with observation who have certain assumptions and maybe philosophical foundations as do we all right so i think humility on both sides is called for yeah, I think that's right. I, I, I mean, we, you mentioned the, you know, getting the medicine off of Facebook, but, and, and the, the internet is a great blessing in many ways. We're able to do this interview, but the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, I, I just wish that people would have a little more caution about what they share and what they believe based on what is on the internet. They, uh, it becomes almost, um, becomes almost an obsession and it's and i've often thought i probably there's books on this but how do conspiracy theories get started and Mm -hmm. you know we're sort of seeing it live and in person through all of this yeah yeah 
Yeah, sure. I was just going to say, you know, even if I want to, you know, stick my neck out there, um, you know, with just what happened with COVID-19 and vaccinations, et cetera, mm-hmm. that I think brought to light this underlying maybe angst, right? Because even Christians in our Western society, we see science, as I keep saying, as this thing, this monolithic thing that's either right or wrong all the time. Right. Then when the evolution of it, when the when the practice of it, when the people who are trying and experimenting and failing, when that comes to light, then we say, oh, that's always a bad thing. And they're all liars. Well, some people are liars because we're sinners. But that yeah. doesn't mean the entire discipline should be dismissed, right? Right. So again, I think Christians need to be very careful that we don't elevate ourselves. Yeah. Um that doesn't mean that doctors are always right. You know, the higher I get in education, the more I realize that people with PhDs and MDs are quite fallible. I assure you we are. However, all it means is someone has dedicated their adult um, life or professional life to try to understand something. I don't have a problem with that. I've been wrong a lot, and I'm okay with that because that's how I learn and research and study. However, this is, you know, if I can use a theological example, this is the young kid at a Bible college who starts a blog Yes. Who read, you know, a little bit of Karl Barth and therefore thinks he knows all of 20th century theology. That's what I have a problem with is there's no humility in it. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that's a a lost grace for sure. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't help when you have people, um, officials who represent, you know, authority and then they're they're changing their story and they're. And then they're telling you later on, oh, well, we were deliberately lying on that point. Uh, you know, how does that help your credibility? That's a real problem. Yeah, which, which is why I think, again, you know, the scientific world, if you will, again, we need to be careful. It's not a monolithic thing. Right. Right. Needs to be more humble. Yeah. And even um, how they communicate. This is what's called scientism. Right? Science is the new religion and scientists are its priest. Yeah, so right. it's this new ultimate. Everyone bow down and worship us. This is instead of saying, guys, this is human observation and testing. This is Francis Bacon. We're just applied. And you know what? Um, like you, we're going to test and retest. You know, I, I um, have a little joke when I was in seventh grade. I had to um, I had to take a quiz on the planets and I missed one because I forgot the farthest one, which is Pluto. Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> wink, wink. Um, I'd love to go back and be with my science teacher and say, aha, I should have gotten an A, right? That's right. <laughs> Not because science was wrong or right. And that's what I think people don't understand. It's not that medicine is wrong or right necessarily. It's that it's observational. That's and right. observations will change with theories and philosophies and perspectives. Yes. Um, so, you know, are, are there scientists who are just in it for the buck? Of course. Are there internet shysters who want to sell you some elixir? Right, some you know, pink drink that will solve all your problems. Yeah. Of course, there are. And Christians yes. need to have that discerning eye, as we do in everything. Yes, yes, that's true. And that little anecdote, I, <clears throat> I, I'm so conservative. I have a slogan that Pluto is in my solar system. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Right. And <laughs> this is, you know, I, I have read things about that, and people saying, "Well, you just can't change science." And I want to say that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that it's exactly. medicine and science change at their nature they're not philosophy and theology hence yeah. even in the article i kind of bring this out they this is they don't speak to truth what they do is speak to observation That's right? right so right now this is um our best medical minds see yeah. and they observe that cancer may be not cured but, but it could be killed through yeah. some form of radiation however yeah. there are 
sort of other medical minds that in Eastern Europe say, well, no, actually just a change of diet, right? Mm, so yeah. it's not that these things are, let's say, contradictory. It's that they're different ways of observing the same thing. That's right, yeah. So I think if, again, if there's a little more humility in that, right? And mm -hmm. that's why I says on both sides. I've, I've seen, you know, it... it this is, um, I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit again. Um, but as a theologian, um, as a former churchman, as a, as a person who has pulpit supply, I'm in churches all the time. I love the local church. Mm -hmm. It really hurt me and pained me to see what happened over COVID. So mm -hmm. many divisive aspects and people leaving churches and churches splitting yeah. um, over this thing that they think should be monolithic. Either way you look at it, whether you think everyone in the CDC is right or wrong, yeah. That shouldn't split a church because we should have the connection to the body of Christ that transcends human yeah. observation. Yeah, um, that yeah, really concerned me. Yeah, it was uh, certainly a thing we emphasized that, you know, you can have your opinions, but you know, we got to love one another. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you know if your pastor fun. made a decision, if your pastor made a decision based upon prayer and understanding and, and gathered wisdom and said, okay, you know, for the next maybe six months, we're going to wear masks. Um, mm -hmm. that is not a heresy. No, <laughs> it may be correct or maybe incorrect. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, but that's not a heresy. And and yeah. I think we need to be very careful. Um, yes. especially in the Western world, we will separate. I mean, just over the drop of a hat. Yes. As we're seeing now, one of the good things about COVID, if I can say that very carefully, yes. that it exposed what science really is. Yeah, it's just human observation. It's yes. not infallibility. It's not yeah. as objective as people think. And that's why I say, if the Lord tarries, I, I really want, you know, I really want to know what those who are 500 years after us yeah. think. Yeah. Certainly of things that we see as obvious and objective and true. And they may look at those and laugh and say how ignorant they were. Yes, absolutely. And I do think we should be using these kind of experiences as minister because people it has exposed people's fear and i do see you know like even now our masks are almost uh, abandoned by almost everybody mm -hmm. yep uh, up where we are you still have to wear them in a medical facility mm -hmm. uh and um and then you'll see people wandering around you know leave me 100 yards from any other person they're wearing a mask and you think I almost feel like going up and asking them what they're afraid of. You know, like, you yes. know, that. Yes, I, I was in Colorado this past uh, summer. I was backpacking. So in the mountains on a trail at about maybe 10,000 feet, yeah. right, in the middle of nowhere. And this lady came and she passed me wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, I, I found that interesting. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I'm, I'm not to judge her for right. thinking I have a superior intellect or something like that. Yeah, well, that's you know, the thing. Again, is we, I think, we have to love those people and and help them because they're afraid. I mean, that's yeah. got to be the main thing, driver. Yeah, and and we also have to see that maybe there are other generations or other cultures who will view us the exact same way. Yeah, yeah. you know what? Well, this this yeah. is maybe in four hundred years there won't be germ theory. Yeah, right. People will look back at this pandemic and say, well, can you believe these people? They were afraid of a thing called a germ that they couldn't even see. It doesn't even exist. I don't yeah. know. I'm not saying germs don't exist. Right? <laughs> I'm saying is if you look at it with the scope of history, which is why I, I really enjoyed researching for this article, because I got to go back to the early fathers and see 
how they were very tentative at times, right? Because what they believed is, okay, certain maladies and illnesses were punishments from God. And if you try to cure those things, you're trying to undo the discipline that God is working through you for your own good. Mm. And so they, they were critical of certain things. However, I think I use this example, right? Like the Basil of Caesarea, um, he's one of the Cappadocian fathers, very instrumental in our understanding of the triunity of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. Um, he, even though he was leery with some Greek medicine, he opened up the first hospital, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you even study, I, this is one thing I would, I would love to write an article on this as well, because I got into the research. If you look at the history of the Western hospital, it's not just religious, it's Christian specifically. Mm-hmm. Right? And even here in, this is in America, the first hospitals were Christian centers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that obviously Christianity has never just accepted science or whatever we call that wholesale. At the same time, we have led the way in actually treating the person. It's because of uh, love and compassion and the commandments of our Lord to everyone, regardless of their social status, ethnicity, etc. And that uh, uh, that in the ancient world was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what's interesting is, is while Christians were maybe tentative, to accept all of this observational medicine that we still assume, they also led the way on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this beautiful, I think, tension that we see in church history that we need to be careful if we try to always resolve that tension. Because yeah. we do that with other things. We do that with economics. Uh, you know, we do that with science, right? So if you were to go back and to, and to throw an apple up in the air, let's say six or 700 years ago, Mm-hmm. to um, our forefathers who were born-again Christians who really believe uh, very similar to what we believe. Mm-hmm. And it fell, and you would say, see, this apple falls at 9.8 uh, you know, meters per second squared. That's because of an invisible force. We, we can't really define it, but mm-hmm. E equals MC squared, right? And so mass, you know, obviously, that this gravity, <laughs> you can't see it. It's actually pulling the apple down. Can you imagine how nonsensical that would have sounded? And I'm not saying that's wrong. Right. I'm saying we need to be humble and we need to take a broader view of history, science, and in specific uh, medicine. Now, this is really fascinating. And I I was just looking at my application questions. You've covered almost all of them already. Oh, Uh, uh, the uh, the uh, you know, um, it's a uh, I think that humility absolutely has to be the lesson we take out of this. all medicine has, uh, the, our learning has helped us avoid some uh, or overcome some illnesses, not mm-hmm. all of them. And new ones have, are always propping, uh, what am I trying to say, coming up. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so so we, we do have to approach all these things. And I think everybody, I was just uh, thinking on the, uh, one of the things that, uh, occurred to me as an application question and in the area of people um they sort of they read one thing and then that becomes the the god that's the truth and uh so uh and especially with medical studies there's a lot of jargon used in those studies i will i have read some of them and of course just like when i did my english papers i search for the things that agree with me and then that becomes the the way I got my B in English, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but the uh, no shame in admitting that, brother. No shame. Well, I'm, yeah, I, I, I did that. I had, English was not my priority. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, but but you know we'll do that with studies. The thing is, 
I read those things. I don't understand half the words. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, um, uh, you know, uh, we should be, like, I, I mean, I, I how did I put this question? I guess I put it this way. Would you say hard science on medicine is accessible and understandable by the average layman? And by hard science, I mean that even those studies, those data, the, the things that they put out. That's a great idea and question. Um, I'll do my best. You know, so uh, my area of expertise um, actually dwells in more religious philosophy. Um, right. And and so I wrote my dissertation on the idea of God in time, uh, okay. which, which is a very obscure idea. Um, yes. If you were to read my dissertation, it's highly technical. It's it's written for a very select, let's say, minority, um, even within theology and philosophy, because that's what a Ph.D. dissertation is. Yes. So I, I encourage people, if you ever have an issue going to sleep at night, I'll send you my dissertation. <laughs> you can use it for two things, fall asleep, or if, if you want to copy it and someone you know comes to your house, you can throw it at them and hurt them, right? <laughs> so I, I understand that. However, that doesn't mean my dissertation was just a bunch of jargon. It actually sought to answer a question that not many people know of or think of. It's not because I am different. It's because my area of expertise in study. Um, this was, I think, this is part of the issue with this globalization, the internet, where obviously the benefit is, you know, here you are and you're interviewing me. We're even in different time zones and here we are right. speaking simultaneously. Right. However, at the same time, that is taken, like you're talking about medical journals. And this, again, you can extrapolate. Um, not just medicine, but science, even theology and philosophy, right? And and that that's where the real uh, research happens is in those academic, you know, those peer-reviewed journal articles, right? So that's why when I have students who write papers, if they want to find sources online, I'm going to dismiss those almost automatically, mm -hmm. right? Because anyone can say anything. It, it's the academic papers that are peer-reviewed by people who've dedicated their lives. It doesn't mean they're smarter, but it does mean they're more maybe focused. So I think what's happening, especially in medicine, is we have this glut of information, of data coming at us, mm -hmm. whereas we don't have the grid, right? The grid that comes with decades of research and study and, and again, dedicating one's life mm -hmm. uh, because we don't have that grid, just like you said. We all do it. I do as well. We pick out the thing we know. Yeah. And more importantly, we pick out the thing that itches our ears or that we agree with. And then we hyper focus on that and say that is the thing. And everyone else, let's say, is not just maybe wrong or not just different observations or trying to answer a different question. They're liars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is the fallacy of absolutes. And yeah. it is it's more than fallacious. It's dangerous for Christians because that's yeah. not how Christians have thought historically. There's a reason why much of, of modern medicine has, let's say, Christianity as its foundation, because mm -hmm. we see this comes from the gospel. And I bring this up in my article that certain things that Jesus did and the apostles, they would they would exercise demons. They would heal those that had a spiritual malady. However, there were several times that they only dealt with, with the physical, like, for example, Jesus with Peter's mother. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. She would have been seen certainly by the rabbis and, and all, all the local experts as something spiritual was happening to her, right? And so they would have tried this mystical amuletism, it's called, uh, whereas Jesus just healed her. He didn't mention anything about some underlying theological, you know, sense. This was just something that was really a phenomenon. Right. That's something that Christians have, um, have, let's say, picked up on. And if someone comes to you and they're ill, that doesn't, 
mean necessarily God is judging them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they're having some sort of a direct cause and effect. Now, is there an overarching cause and effect? Yes. Why are people ill? Because there is sin in the world and we all sin, right? right. So right. in some sense, I am responsible for cancer. However, not in a direct sense. And I think Christianity has recognized through John 9 and other examples, that there's not always this one-to-one correspondence, and we're the ones who've laid the groundwork for things like hospitals and things like the care for the poor, the infirmed, etc. Um, right. And that you can even trace that back to what I'm going to call mental illnesses, which again, for most of human history, it's not how they were seen, to those um, who were mad, right? And right. I'm using that in, in the proper sense of the term. Yeah. It was really a Christian sense or idea or foundation um, to try to care for these people and treat them, whereas the ancient answer to most of that was to relegate them to caves and things like that. Yeah, so let let's let's regain that. Let let's resuscitate our heritage of love and compassion and humility. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that has to be the the overarching note. We've talked about humility a lot, and and in our congregations, you know, some of the divisions that we've seen is because people, you know, haven't been humble. They're on their high horse, and they're telling, you know, either the pastor or other Christians what they ought to be doing, and yeah, you know, that's that can be very hurtful. Yeah, well, I, I would love if, if there was a Facebook article on how to be humble as a Christian. Yeah. In, in the sense of, you know, this doesn't mean, again, this whole fallacy of extremes, it doesn't mean scientists are all right. It also doesn't mean they're all wrong. Right, yeah. It means that there are people who are observing, who are applying a very specific methodology, who, who are trying to answer the question. And I think also Christians have bought into this, as I said before, this lie that human knowledge is always aggregate, right? Yeah. Like it always goes, this, and it's always building when, sadly, in reality, it's not. It's changing yeah. as observations will change. And right. so, again, I think science and medicine has to be a little more humble. Yeah. And so do or so does the hoi polloi, the rest of us who are not physicians. That's right. Yeah. I, we need to be a little bit more humble as well. And, and of course, that's when the article, you know, I, I ended. I was, let me read that with this quote, let's see, from Basil when he says, when reason allows, we call in the doctor, but we do not leave off hoping in God. Amen. Right. That, so, that's that's a very powerful statement. Yeah. So you know we we know that if you go see a doctor and he helps to cure you, we know he's not curing you. Neither is modern medicine, but he's being used of the hand of God. Yeah. That's important. And Christians always need to have the transcendent in their mind that it's God who heals. Now he may use or he may go through the medium of medicine or diet or herbs or whatever you want. But it's always the hand of God that's doing these things, not science, not medicine, and certainly not Facebook. Amen. That's right. Amen. Well, that's <laughs> great. And and we've I, I think you've really uh, covered a good bit of ground. And uh, what I really want to encourage people to read your article mm-hmm. uh, and to subscribe to Frontline. That's uh, what we'd like you to do. But the Amen. article really, if you want to get a, a, a overview of historical understanding of medicine, and the approach to medicine. Uh, this is really valuable material. I really appreciate and thank you for writing the article. And uh, we hope we'll get more from you in the future. And uh, that's Certainly. great. All right. That's good. I hope to. I'll do it humbly. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll sign off for now.
All right, well, our thanks to uh, Brett Williams for his very interesting discussion of uh, use, the use of medicine uh, by Christians. I think that that was uh, very uh, informative, things that we, I had never really thought of before, and I hope uh, you found them quite helpful. I want to encourage you to subscribe to our uh, efforts, to either on the Substack here, you can subscribe monthly, you get the article that uh, Brett wrote, you'll be able to read that entirely uh, immediately. Uh, or you can subscribe annually uh, and we a slightly reduced rate and you will also receive the print subscription to the magazine as well as being able to uh, read the articles throughout the year that we publish. I hope that you find it informative. I always find Frontline Magazine very interesting and I hope that it's very helpful to you in your spiritual life. This is Don Johnson signing off for the Proclaim and Defend podcast. <laughs>